Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is the Robin Lundberg Show coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you want to buy a home or refinance your current home, Rocket can. Told you I'd get to the Kyrie thing as well. I'll do that in just a minute. But a bunch of you on the line right now. So I will get to you. 855 212 Four two two seven. Let's go to Don in Texas. Don, you're up first. What's going on? Yeah, uh, yes, sir. I just wanted to make a comment about that conversation you had with Boomer and who was the other gentleman? Uh, Boomer Geo. Uh, it was Al Dukes was their producer, who was I think the the main person talking on on, on okay. their end. Yeah. I, I think you did a really good job of trying to explain it. I think the frustration comes from the. Uh, the ability for people to just kind of throw out, like when it comes to John Gruden, it was very racist. He needs to go. It made a lot of sense. But then people, when, when we say they don't want to come to the defense, it's, it seems as if they always will throw out uh, individuals from the race that they're saying they're not racist about. So, like, they threw out Antonio Brown. They threw out Warren Sapp. I never hear it whenever they come up with an argument, bring up a white player who's had legal issues as well. So it just kind of comes off as ignorant when you're trying to defend or not defend when you're trying to come up with an excuse as to why John Gruden, you know, oh, but we're not going to do this to the Super Bowl or we're not going to do this for this individual, that individual. It does seem kind of uh, like it's their ignorance coming off. That's why it seemed like I, I noticed you getting frustrated when you were having that conversation uh, with them, because it does seem kind of ignorant that it's it's like in the hip pocket of people that try to defend these acts they'll always have somebody of the color you know that is opposite of that individual so like if it's a white person with Gruden well let me name all these black guys that have, that have done terrible things well you know as far as the the uh to defend them for a second you know the Warren Sapp or Antonio Brown that just comes about because if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you're removing John Gruden from the ring of honor people are saying well then how can you have Antonio Brown on your football team recent history with Antonio Brown or Warren Sapp, you know, previous history with him in your ring of honor. So that connection I get. The The reason I was frustrated is, again, more based on the Super Bowl halftime show because I just don't ha- know how anybody can make that connection. And it, and that would be, I think, more supportive of, of the point I think you're trying to make, and I appreciate the call, of, like, how the hell do you go from one to the other? How the hell did you get from John Gruden to there? Um, that, and that I just do not understand because it, it, that to me is disingenuous. And again, 
the first people, not to call out anybody else in the profession or the business, but the first people I saw make that point were Clay Travis and Jason Whitlock. And, you know, they, they are peddling to a certain audience and certain viewpoints and the like. And it's not a surprise to me that they would go there, but it's a surprise, you know, that a lot of other people would, would go there. Because I just don't know. Like, I just don't understand how one's brain could go from one to, to the, the next in that fashion. How about... Eric in Pennsylvania. Eric, you're up next on the show. What's going on? Hey, um, I I wanted to talk about it. I, I look at it kind of, I, I mean, I look at a lot of it the same way you do. I'm I'm 39 years old, and, and we've done nothing but complain about the halftime show for how long that it's irrelevant. And now they bring in, they, they bring in people that if, if I'm the, if I'm the target audience, I, I was, happy to hear that the halftime show was going to be what it's going to be. And I, I think one thing that you um, kind of touched on, but, but not completely, you know, John Gruden, and it's easy for all of us to, to figure out that John Gruden, we, we, or at least I, I shouldn't say we, I think he probably still holds a lot of the same views. The difference is somebody like Dre, somebody like, Eminem, people like that, they've said, you know, we're not the same people we are. It, it's not, it doesn't make sense for us to be talking about living in the hood and doing this or this or this because we haven't been there for a long time. And, and that to me is the difference between where Gruden's at and where these artists are. And, you know, as a, as a person in the public, Gruden knows better than to say that somebody like Dre or, or, Eminem or anybody like that has made their name on that. And, and yeah, so maybe they do still play those same songs at the concert because there are people there that want to hear it, but that goes back to the dollar and they've, and, and the NFL wants to change the halftime show because they're looking for more dollars. You know, it, it all, it all wraps up together for me. Yeah, look, I mean, the the NFL, of course, uh, again, they were trying to appeal, yes, to to a uh, you know a different demographic, and that's not even like like you said, it's not you know bringing in hip hop to to appeal to the black demographic or anything like that. That's popular culture it is the most popular form of music, and, and like you said yourself, the target demographic, uh, you know, and I, I I don't know who we are, you know, it, it being lost in a Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre controversy. It's not 1993. It's not 1994. You know, it's not N.W.A. And, and the stuff that's portrayed in the movie, which came before even Snoop Dogg and, and Dr. Dre as, as solo acts. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that factors into it, too. But that's what the NFL was trying to get to with the halftime show, because they felt like they were too pigeonholed. They were getting that sort of feedback. That's why they brought Jay-Z in. And Dr. Dre credited Jay-Z for not just because I'm a big Jay-Z fan. I'm giving him the credit but Dr. Dre credited him for making that happen. Um, I, I just, you know, there's just no universe where the, the John Gruden situation is apples to apples to that situation, being that John Gruden was the head coach of a football team, supposed to be leading a football team. He is associated with the NFL, obviously, being the head coach of a, a football team. He said those things with no, like, joking context, no artistic context, just straight up insulting context versus, you know, people who don't work for the NFL have no affiliation with the NFL other than performing at the halftime show, who have adapted, I'm sure, you know, some of the stuff that no longer is acceptable in, in these times and where we are 
as a society. They've adapted that. They're speaking through artistic freedoms as well, not through you know their own personal email. It just it, it makes no sense to compare those two things. John in South Carolina. John, you're up next on the show. What's going on? Hey, Robin. Love the show. Uh, a, um, I'd like to see Led Zeppelin for a halftime show. So that shows my age. Hey, there's uh, nothing wrong with Led Zeppelin either. I mean, look, <laughs> Led Zeppelin made great music too. Um, the second thing is the John Gruden thing. Race is such a t- tricky issue. I work at a hospital. I take care of my patients all the same. It doesn't matter what color they are. And uh, I got I bypass the race card, and I say, play the stupid card. John Gruden, how stupid can you be to put your views in writing and hit the send button? Are you out of your flipping mind? That is That just shows your mental capacity and... You have no business being in the public eye because if I've said things to my wife uh, that I regret, but that's between me and my wife, and there's a time and a place for everything, and nobody's ever going to hear that. But to put it in writing, are you? I just it is it is stupid. You're right. I mean, whatever you uh, obviously. The, the words he used speak for themselves, right? But your point is well taken. It was like it's, it's staggering that someone would put that all in, in writing and just send that freely and send it to the you know, Washington football team account. That's another reason, like, you know, it, it's hard for me to even muster up that, like, oh, there was supposed to be private. Yeah, it was supposed to be private. And I don't know why Gruden's stuff got out there, you know, and nobody else's stuff got out there. But, dog, you know, you can't do that. And, I, I can't cry for you. I'm not going to feel bad for you, given what you wrote and, and given the fact that you were stupid enough to write it in, in email and send it in email. Joe in Florida. Joe, you're up next here on the Robin Lundberg Show. What's going on, Joe? Hey, Robin. I just want to say great show. I'm a first-time caller, uh, but I'm tired of hearing about the John Gruden. Mm-hmm. Um, John Gruden deserves everything he got. Um, but there's a bigger racist problem in the NFL because why aren't they releasing the rest of the emails? You know, they're covering for other people that shouldn't be there just like John Gruden. And that's all I got to say. Thank you. Well, you know what? I, I, I don't know if that's the case. I've seen that a lot. I, I don't know if they are. They might be covering their own tracks uh, for something else. But, the you know, like the investigation into the Washington football team was not about racist or homophobia or you know that it was about a toxic workplace culture so that's where that investigation started the gruden emails were found by happenstance right like i I, whether it was roger goodell or somebody else who saw that and goes oh this guy can't be part of our uh, organization anymore here let's leak this you know whoever did it somebody wanted gruden out right or else that that specifically wouldn't have been leaked somebody whoever it was but the investigation didn't start as a result of that. That was happenstance. And trust me, I am 100% certain that the Washington football team did, you know, things that wouldn't be considered ethical or uh, what have you, whatever word you want to use. But I don't know if there are any other emails that are directly racist or homophobic or misogynistic or whatever, you know, again, Gruden did the offensive Olympics. That wasn't the premise for the investigation. 
So they may be correct in saying there's nothing else like that in there. That doesn't mean there's nothing else wrong in there. And, and there's a distinction, uh, you know, that I would draw in, in that regard. TJ in Toronto. TJ, you're up next. What's going on? Hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? What's up, TJ? I'm doing well. Yeah. Okay, I'm calling from Toronto. John Drew is not the only one. I guarantee you, he's not the only one. There are more other coaches like him. And the NFL is so sad. There are about 75% black players and two NFL coaches. So, racism is in every aspect of the NFL. In every aspect of the owners, the owners are dominantly white American people. They don't hire black coaches. They only have their out of pockets coming here for interview and they will take it. The rather they recycled coach, white coach, and put them in there. Imagine. Imagine. The NFL is a multi billion dollar corporation. Multi billion billion dollars. And it's like a ripping effect. Okay. You know, uh, TJ, TJ, I apologize, man, and I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just having a real tough time hearing you based on your signal. I, I think I understand what you're saying. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, I don't know, you know, John Gruden may be the only one that they have emails of like that, right? Because they, they did this investigation. Your point, which is that there is, is so few black uh, coaches or, or people in leadership positions is certainly fair, right? And it's one that's been brought up many times, and, and uh, it, it, they even had to make a rule about it, you know, with the Rooney rule. So that could be indicative of the culture of the NFL at large and ownership being a lot of old money too, right? Like not even just new money, but old money uh, as well. So I, I think that's the point you were trying to make, meaning to you that tells you there's a certain mentality in the NFL that goes beyond John Gruden. But that doesn't mean there was – explicit emails from somebody like there was from John Gruden. And I think that's getting – even from smart people I follow on Twitter and like and in my business who are talking about this emails and the, they're like, uh, you know, skeptical that no other emails like that were found. I'm not actually skeptical that no other emails like that were found. That doesn't mean no one else has those beliefs. That doesn't mean there's nothing else untoward in those Washington football team emails back and forth, something that they shouldn't be doing. But most people aren't putting that in email. That's what was so shocking about the Gruden situation. Aside from the fact that he held those beliefs or said that stuff so easily that he's putting it in email. So it's another layer to it. Mason in Texas. Mason, you're on the Robin Lundberg Show. What's up? Man, I got, I got two points for you. There's one, nobody should really be shocked because Antonio Brown tried to tell people years ago, but everybody just thought he was crazy. Everybody should have known he was racist. And then two... He had to be let go because he definitely lost that locker room. Nobody in there probably wanted to work for him anymore, other than obviously Derek Carr. But he can. I'd be surprised if he even gets another job because there's no locker room. I think that's going to want to play for him anymore. Oh yeah, he's not getting another job in the NFL. No question. Uh, I mean, there there may be some outlet that hires him to talk or or whatever. Um, but you the the uh, as far as the. Um, you know, Gruden situation, he he wasn't even canned, right? He resigned. <laughs> he had to. He knew it. He, you know, he may be stupid to put that stuff in an email, but he wasn't dumb enough to, to think that he was going to survive that. His job was going to survive that. That was the end. That was the end. He knew it. I mean, and that's why it happened so quick. And now it was, I think, about an hour from the second email drop to, to 
Gruden uh, saying he was resigning. That was, that was like an hour. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. All right, I'll give you my thoughts on the Kyrie thing coming up next. Then we'll shift gears a, a little bit into you know previewing the NBA season coming up and then previewing the NFL week that is also coming up. A little on-court, on-field action as well. It's the Robin Ludberg Show, and it's here with you on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Robin Lundberg Show. The Nets did what they had to do with Kyrie Irving, in my mind. I don't think, you know, as an organization, you can allow just a part-time player. You have to have standards and expectations. Uh, You have to draw the line somewhere. And I think they wouldn't have done it without the blessing of Kevin Durant and James Harden either. I mean, and maybe that gives them, you know, it makes it a little easier. For them because they're still a championship contender without Kyrie Irving. They may go from the overwhelming favorites to one of the favorites, if not still the favorite, to win the title without a brilliant basketball player like Kyrie Irving, who is a brilliant basketball player, um, as skilled a player as I've ever seen. And like I, I brought up last week, but the thing with Kyrie, too, it was beyond just the vaccine. You know, he had a pattern of not being a reliable teammate. Um, you know, he just didn't show up for a while last year. <laughs> that was, remember, that was a thing. There, there's just been a, a lot that has gone on with Kyrie that makes you think this isn't about just this one issue or him having a stance. And he, he did his Instagram live the other day and said a whole lot of nothing as far as I'm concerned. Other than that, he's not retiring. Uh, you know, he, he didn't articulate what it is he's even feeling or thinking. He just made a word salad. Because I don't know what Kyrie's cause is. I don't think he has a cause. To me, Kyrie's not doing this because people are telling him to do it. And it's a very, you know, like... I've seen people accuse him of being a narcissist. And, like, I don't want to take too many personal shots. or, or I, I hope the best for the guy. But I think the Nets had to do what they had to do. And people are going nuts with their Kyrie defense or, or comparisons, like see comparisons to Muhammad Ali and that pumped the brakes. Muhammad Ali didn't fight in the Vietnam War because he didn't want to kill people there uh, while facing racism in his own country. He was stripped of his titles, faced jail time, and sacrificed his prime. Kyrie Irving's getting paid to stay home by the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, he's not getting paid for the the home games because he couldn't play in them anyway, but he's getting paid for the other ones. To stay home for not taking a, a vaccine for a, a deadly pandemic. Not the same thing. And Kyrie, I don't even think he has a cause. You know, if, if he was if it was against vaccine mandates, all right. But that doesn't seem to be his cause. He didn't say, you know, I'm doing this because of vaccine mandates. Um, and if he had gotten an exemption, he'd already be playing. Now it's his right to not I'll defend his right on what he puts into his body. That's his right. And I'll defend that even if I disagree with him not taking it to the end of the earth, the flat earth, till we fall off the flat earth. But uh, that part I'll defend. But that doesn't mean that the Nets have to to put up with it. And, you know, like there's some unfortunate circumstances here, being that he plays in New York. And if he had played in a different market, maybe we wouldn't be having – this argument, and it is kind of silly that 
say, Bradley Beal, who was publicly unvaccinated, can come into New York and play at Barclays Center, and Kyrie Irving can't. But the thing with Kyrie is, if it wasn't this, it was going to be something else. You know? And, and that's what bugs me the most about it and bugs me the most about the people, like, going to his defense to crazy levels and, and making him out to be some martyr. Kyrie has a history of not being a reliable teammate. This is just the latest in the history of not being a reliable teammate. And the saga of Kyrie. Don C. Williams Jr. tweets, and agree 100% with you regarding Kyrie. It was just accumulation of acts and statements to Kyrie that just reached a tipping point. It got to the point where the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. Yeah, and the Nets had to draw the line somewhere. And being a part-time player is where the line was drawn. And you could tell, you know, they got stars who were on board with that. So I don't think it's any deeper than that. And and I to be honest, I don't think Kyrie's stance is deep either. I don't think Kyrie has a stance. I'm not sure. I, I feel I feel for him. I kind of feel like uh you know, he's a lost soul in some ways. And he's a tremendous talent. Yeah, I mean just tremendous. So I, I I wish the best for him. I don't dislike the guy personally or anything. But I don't think he is actually standing up for anything other than his own personal right not to put something in his body, which is fine. I, I don't think he's trying to accomplish anything. And I think, you know, he's kind of doing it because, you know, people told him to. He, he doesn't want to do what people told him to. It's not standing for something. It's vague grandstanding, I guess is the way I would put it. Vague grandstanding. How about Mad Mac in Chicago? Mad Mac, you're up on the Robin Lundberg Show. What's going on? Yeah, I'll give you a couple quick here. I didn't mention Kyrie to your producer, but think about this, though. Science changes all the time. For the last 50 years, we've been told if you have heart issues, take aspirin. It helps with that. Well, they just changed their mind yesterday and said, don't take aspirin anymore. We don't know how good this, how good these vaccines are going to work long term. We don't have any idea. Back to your boy, John Gruden. Well, wait, hold on. We do have some idea. I mean, they have put a, yes, things do change positions and things evolve over time. But it, it, for the most part in history, what we've seen with vaccines is any effects that are negative are immediate, not like later down the line. So that would be one reason to believe there won't be tremendous side effects. I can't say for sure about anything. And then also the sample size of the people that have had them now is so large there's never been a real life in real time case study like this so in fact you probably have much better data than you would have had on anything else because of of that happening in real time but go ahead to your next point but anybody who's got anybody who's already had COVID has way better antibodies look i'm not i'm not arguing against uh natural immunity either natural immunity is a thing I, i deal in facts i deal in real life natural immunity is a thing it's not a replace you know in order to get natural immunity, you have to contract COVID. I wouldn't go out there and say, hey, you want to contract COVID so you can get natural immunity. But I am of the position that between vaccines, and we're now at like 80% of adults, by the way, it's vaccinated, and natural immunity, eventually we get to a point where this is endemic because we can't live in fear of the thing near our entire lives, and I don't think it's going away. So I'm not one of these people who says natural immunity is also not a thing, but that doesn't mean it needs to be a substitute for the vaccine or it doesn't mean the vaccine doesn't do its job. But go ahead. Back to your boy, John Gruden, though. Check his NFL file. There's not a single single record of anybody complaining about him for racism. Now, he sent private emails and the alleged rubber lips thing 
it, look at the etymology of the word. It does dictate that he had someone who flimflams on the truth. But John Gruden said some words. You got a guy named Ray Lewis in the Hall of Fame who admittedly paid off a family to get out of a murder charge. That's on record. That's a court adjudicated action. Also, Kellen Williams, the kid, the tight end from Cleveland, ran over a guy and killed him. Not in the NFL, first of all. Neither of those guys. Second of all, this has nothing to do with the Hall of Fame. It's John Gruden losing his job. Third of all, with Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis was never actually charged with the murder, right? Like, people know that, right? He's not. Ray Lewis was present, allegedly, for all that stuff that happened. But when people say, like, Ray Lewis killed a guy or something, that's not a fair accusation to make, even based on what he would have possibly been charged for at the worst. He was never, he was never in trouble for actual murder. He faced uh murder charges in, in as far as being um uh an acquaintance uh i don't know the exact technical terms but i just want to make sure that i i'm I, I don't disagree with anybody who says there are other people associated with the nfl who have done bad things that's that's a fact but that doesn't mean john gruden should keep his job as head coach of the raiders after this stuff was released i mean like it speaks for itself one what, what he said what did he say that was so bad I, I, if I have to explain that to you, then we're 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 playing games. I mean, why did he say I, that was so bad? It's a tough environment, the NFL. Buckle up, kids. It's not easy. Uh, that, it's uh, I'm sorry. It's not a bootstrap thing. I appreciate the call, man. But uh, sorry, if you don't know what John Gruden said was bad, I we can't really have a talk. Um, I've heard plenty of things. I'm not even easily. I'm not easily offended. I'm not even saying I was personally offended, but it's it is what it is. You know, it is what it is. As a as a professional and in a leadership position, that's as duh a move as I've ever seen once that stuff was public given what he said. He's what he said was bad enough where I can't say it to you. <laughs> you know? Like I cannot due to the regulations on the program and because of things that, that I won't have come out of my mouth, uh I can't say it to you. <laughs> So I didn't even like saying what he said about the Morris Smith and there's no direct slur or anything there. It's just not comfortable because one should know not to say that. You're listening to the Robin Lundberg show. It is the Robin Lundberg show. And I'm joined now by Gerald Brown, host of the bottom line sports show on Sirius XM NBA radio. And, and Gerald, let's start quickly with Kyrie. It was my position that the Nets did what they had to do. Uh, not simply, for this one issue at hand, but given Kyrie has now displayed a pattern of not exactly being the most reliable teammate, and I think, um, you know, obviously the circumstances are out of control in, in some regards, given it's a city thing and not an NBA thing, but I just think there is a certain level of standard and expectation they had to set for themselves as a franchise, and they did the right thing in how they handled the Kyrie situation. What are your thoughts? I, I agree with you, Rob, and good morning. I think that clearly, you know, it, it, it's, it's been an unfortunate situation because you're right. He had the situation last year. We took some time off, and it was just so much going back and forth. And um, just it, I, if, you're, if you're an organization like the Nets who have aspirations of winning a championship, you know, Kyrie wasn't there when they, you know, he had this ankle sprain and, you know, it was a situation where 
You had Harden and Durant was playing there. And I think that as they have gotten more accustomed and acclimated as an organization with James Harden, I think they're looking at saying, hey, look, do we have to really have Kyrie Irving around? Because this is becoming more of a headache than anything. And I wouldn't be surprised that some conversations have already been had behind closed doors with both Harden and Durant and saying, hey, how would they feel if they had to move on from Kyrie Irving? And I think before it was a situation where, yeah, it probably was something up in the air. But I think with this situation happening um, and the way it's playing out, you know, kind of in a situation where, the you know, unfortunately he might just force the organization's hand. Yeah, and I don't think they make a move like they just made if they weren't ready to move on from Kyrie. Look, you never rule anything out, especially with someone as talented as he is. Maybe he helped them a little bit by saying he wasn't retiring because that means that that threat that was out there wouldn't prevent a possible trade, and I'm sure they would take 20, 30 cents on the dollar. At this point, but as far as the Nets without Kyrie, let's just, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen there. But when you look at that team, you still do have Kevin Durant. You still do have, obviously, James Harden. And, and I think that's a good point you brought up. He came in not only as another superstar, but he's Kyrie in, in, insurance. They picked up Patty Mills in the offseason, drafted Cam Thomas. Not to overstate what those guys are, but last year when Kyrie went down, and Harden was obviously hobbled, you were going to the likes of Mike James, who they had brought over from Europe, or, or, or Tyler Johnson. They've upgraded that position. They've added more vets. Marcus Aldridge is back. Paul Millsap is back. Joe Harris is still around. Bruce Brown is still around. This is a team that has championship aspirations, regardless of Kyrie being around or not. Oh, absolutely. I think clearly the key thing is that you have players such as Durant and Harden in their prime. And, you know, you have a LaMarcus Aldridge who was, I thought was a huge, huge loss for them, unfortunately, when he decided to abruptly retire last season. And he was that insurance guy because, you know, when, when the playoffs rolled around, you kind of saw that DeAndre Jordan really wasn't a real fit anymore. And thus you had to lean on a lot of young, inexperienced players, uh, Nick Claxton for one. And I think that this has been something that they have been able to remedy for this upcoming season. But I think the biggest thing will be with Steve Nash is the fact is that being able to monitor and manage the minutes of guys like Harden and Durant so they could be as fresh as possible come playoff time. Robin Lundberg talking to Gerald Brown. He hosts the Bottom Line Sports Show on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Now we are getting towards the, the start of the um regular season coming up and the, the Nets are not the only team but the two teams that certainly get talked about the most are the Nets and the Lakers and the Lakers I think went 0-6 in the preseason I don't care about their preseason record to be honest I didn't watch uh, much of their preseason at, at all if, if any but a few minutes but I, I do have concerns Gerald for them about their roster and, and that has nothing to do with the the preseason I, I think um, you know Russell Westbrook there, there were always questions about his fit there, but also the fact that this guy's been now moved from team to team over the last several years. I think just because he got picked up by the Lakers, a lot of people thought, oh, you know, maybe he's uh, – or, or we're propping him up a little bit more than maybe he had been worth as far as the, the, the bottom line to, to reference your show uh, goes. And then beyond that, beyond whether that – is a fit you know you you brought up DeAndre Jordan they brought him in he's barely an NBA player to me 
Uh, and then their roster just doesn't have that much beyond I mean, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, which is a lot to have. But Davis needs to have a better season than he had last year. LeBron, obviously, it's asking a lot of a 37-year-old in his 19th season. Like, Who are the rest of the starters on that team? So I think the, the Lakers have, have legitimate roster concerns. What do you think? I agree with you. I think clearly, you know, I think the the more the most reliable and dependable guy, I think, health wise, that you're probably going to have on that roster will be Russell Westbrook. I mean, look, it's unfortunate he was moved. You know, uh, if you think about it, he left OKC, goes to Houston, and then with Harden leaving and the organization deciding to move it in a younger direction, blow everything up, he goes to Washington. Gets off to a sluggish start, but still has an incredible season. And that team gets to the playoffs. So, you know, with him being moved recently, it's never been about his, uh, you know, his availability. Now, if you look at the rest of that team, you're right. I think the team looks great on paper, but the biggest thing will be, and I think it begins and ends with a guy like Anthony Davis. Can he stay healthy? That will be the main thing. And then it will be something different this year, unlike any of the the past years that Frank Vogel had to deal with. There's no Kyle Kuzma there. There's no young players to really help, you know, ingrain and infuse into that lineup, you know, like Alex Caruso, a Kentavious Caldwell-Pope who's not that young. But some of these young, inexperienced guys that kind of get, get you some minutes of games when you're looking at a long season that you can, hey, not rely too much on, on LeBron. And then Anthony Davis being a guy that has struggled staying healthy. Now, one thing I will say, I thought it was very smart for Rob Lincoln and them to bring back Dwight Howard. But overall, when I look at this roster, I too have the same concerns is that this team is a couple of injuries away from being a team that could either win it or be a team that could possibly be in the play-in tournament and thus struggle to get out of there. Uh, Frank Vogel is going to really, really have to manage minutes more than anything as opposed to trying to win games. But uh, it's a long season. We'll hopefully see how things play out. But I think the spotlight is on Anthony Davis and his availability. Yeah, and, and playing, like I said, consistently at a, a higher level than he did a, a season ago, more like he did in, in the bubble in the playoffs, right? And then, like, I see, like, a, a name like, you know, and I, I don't want to single him out. I don't mean to diss him because he's been a solid vet. He's, he's a good shooter. But when I see people saying Wayne Ellington might be starting or, you know, making a case for someone like Wayne Ellington starting, Wayne Ellington's been an end-of-the-bench guy for, you know, much lesser teams, and, and that would be an example of, of maybe not, not having a, a full roster. Well, just having guys play a role. And I think the key thing is they've brought guys in to play a role. So you have Carmelo Anthony has already indicated that he doesn't mind coming off the bench. They brought back Rajon Rondo. Guys that will learn and understand how to play a role. The biggest challenge will be is if LeBron, I mean, like you mentioned, you're going to lean on LeBron somewhat, but you can't lean totally on him. It's going to have to be a situation where Anthony Davis, and he's got to stay healthy. You know, he has to stay healthy. That's the biggest thing with him. There's a saying, you know, the best ability is availability, and that is the key thing when it comes to Anthony Davis. You know, they were winning that series against the Phoenix Suns, and him getting hurt changed the whole dynamic. And so one thing we learned about the Lakers is the fact is that they can really go as far as they need to if Anthony Davis is healthy there. But, you know, again, like I said before, age and attrition with that team is something that I will watch very carefully and see how Frank Vogel manages that whole situation.
We talked about the Kyrie drama. The other, you know, uh, recurring drama is, is the situation with Ben Simmons in, in Philadelphia. He missed the game while, quote-unquote, reconditioning. There's been all sorts of accusations made and talk uh, there. And, I, I, you know, I, I think the way this is fractured, ultimately it, it still ends in separation and, and uh, of them finding the best trade they can for Ben Simmons. But <laughs> what's it going to be like? In the meantime, with Ben Simmons back with the team after everything went down, you know, Robin, I think the biggest thing is is that the Kyrie and Ben Simmons situation really helped. I think perhaps you know fans in New York uh, forget about the Yankees and the Jets and Giants, and then fans in Philly forget about the Eagles and the Phillies' demise in uh, football and baseball because. When you look at the the Ben Simmons situation, he goes from really, really a guy a lot of people felt bad about and struggles in the playoffs against the Hawks to him deciding to pack up his house. He's put his house on the market, and he doesn't want to be with the team anymore. To fans really, just really, again, vilifying him. And now all of a sudden he comes back, and then there's still this sort of question mark that hangs over him and the franchise. And obviously – you know, it, it seems apparently, let's be honest, this is financially motivated where he knows that he's going to be lose a certain amount of money if he chooses to sit out. But I think now the question becomes, how if, if you're a team that's interested, let's use hypothetically Sacramento, who's been bandied about the possible team that he goes to, how are you going to be able to evaluate Ben Simmons if he's just sitting there, he's not playing, you know, then if you're Philadelphia, how can you afford to play him? And God forbid he gets hurt, and now you can't move him. So they're in a catch-22 in both parties. Uh, I'd be very interested to see if, A, they allow him to be able to play, uh, B, if he's just out there and if he's cheering for his, uh, for this team. You know, it, it, it's going to be a weird situation because, like I said before, we've, we've witnessed it with James Harden. we witnessed it with Andre Drummond, especially when he was with Cleveland. When there's a situation where, you know, teams are trying to move a guy, they'll send him home, he's not with the team because they don't want to risk injury. I'm just very curious to see how this will continue to play out. And I think that, you know, with this situation, expect the unexpected. Would, would it be surprising to me that he – comes out game one, he starts, he plays well, he has a good time, and all of a sudden they have a kumbaya moment. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Last thing I want to ask you about, Zion Williamson, uh, be out at the beginning of the season. They're, you know, they say it's nothing to worry about. But um, between you know the, the, the last couple of years, he, he's had a bunch of little injuries, and uh, there's uh, been talk about you know his weight. Uh, when I watch him run, I, I, there's something to his gait that sometimes I'm a little uncomfortable with. Guy's a tremendous player, tremendous talent, but are you concerned about Zion's long-term health? You know, Robin, it's interesting you bring that up because I think that there's been a report out that the NBA wants the, uh, the, the players and owners get together for the new uh, CBA that there is an indication that, you know, there's this, these, uh, these long-term contracts might be taken off the table and thus shorter deals similar to the NFL. And I think one of the things that has taken place is because a lot of these players have left a lot of money on the table, did not want to re-sign with these uh, long-term deals with their, their original team. And I think that, you know, it's going to come to that situation possibly. 
because of the situation with Zion Williamson. Now, the only saving grace right now is he's struggled to stay healthy. You're right. You know, he's had some issues, but uh, we, we've heard the rumblings that even in the rookie deal that family members are not really happy the direction of the organization. He's had a ton of coaches. Uh, you know, this is an organization. They need something to go right with them, and I think it really starts with Zion Williamson because – if, if this team struggles and they don't make the least a play-in tournament, we're going to hear about another young, up-and-coming star wanting out of, of, of New Orleans and thus that franchise being set back and now trying to look to trade them. But I think the injury right now, it kind of supersedes all of that. But you're right. He's been a young man that struggled with a lot of injuries and the biggest thing is he's going to have to make a decision, maybe some changes in his diet, his workout regimen in the offseason. But um, it's not a good thing to have him be a, a young player who was, quote-unquote, possibly one of the new face, young faces of the league struggling to stay healthy. Gerald, appreciate your time. Gerald Brown, host of the Bottom Line Sports Show on Sirius XM NBA Radio. This is the Robin Lundberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio. Coming up, I give you my NFL picks for Week 6. It is, as I just referenced, the Robin Lundberg Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 